Hello, and welcome to another great message from Parkview Church in Iowa City, Iowa. Thanks for joining us today. For notes and video related to this message, please visit www.parkviewchurch.org. Well, good morning, church family. Uh, my name is John McHale, and I serve as a community groups pastor here. Uh, it's good to be with you here this morning and to open up God's Word. Uh, the last two weeks, I have been really, really excited because I'm no longer the new guy on staff. I'm no longer the newbie. Uh, two weeks ago, we welcomed Wade Urig as our new college pastor to lead 24-7, and so he moved into the office next to me, and I've been really uh, just excited to get to know him and get to uh, think about partnering with him in ministry. Let me encourage you, Wade and Claire, are, uh, they are great people. They are gospel-rich, faithful servants of Jesus, and so if you see them, go introduce yourself, get to know them. They're awesome. Um, and they could really use your prayers as they learn how to lead college students uh, Jesus. When I first moved to Iowa City, I noticed something. Everywhere I went, I was introduced to a new statue of Herky. <laughs> the guy is everywhere. I go to the airport yesterday to pick up my wife. Herky's there. I go to the North Liberty Rec Center. There's Herky. I go to the doctor's office, and there's a Herky with a little baby Herky on his tummy. He's everywhere. I've been here about two years, and I've realized what the university is up to. As I uh, drive around with my two-year-old daughter, occasionally I'll hear in the back of the car, Herky! And I'm kind of like, where's he at? I know she's not making it up because he's everywhere. But I've realized that the university is already recruiting my two-year-old daughter to be a Hawkeye. <laughs> and I'm all in. Like, I am all in on the Hawkeye thing. But I, I got to be honest with you. I, I was maybe a little bit of an easier sell because I didn't have any strong college allegiances when I got here. Um, I don't know if that means you respect me less, but my wife has been a harder sell because my wife went to TCU in Fort Worth. And some of you may know the mascot at TCU is the horn frog. And so there's a battle going on in my house between Herky the Hawkeye and the horn frog. I think Herky is going to win, but uh, you'll have to ask Mary. Yeah. But most people don't know that the horned frog has a secret weapon. The horned frog, when the horned frog is threatened and feels a predator, it squirts blood from its eyes. Like, no joke. I, I'm not kidding with you. You could go to National Geographic. I'm not making this up. It squirts blood from its eyes to fend off predators. We see this all over the animal kingdom. It's the impulse to protect oneself. I think of another silly example in the skunk. When a skunk is threatened, it squirts that nasty spray and it smells terrible. It gets everywhere. We as humans, we have this same impulse to protect ourselves. Whenever we feel threatened, we go into attack mode or we run. It's that fight or flight impulse. Whenever we feel threatened, maybe our reputation, maybe it's our time or our money or our comfort or convenience, 
Whenever those things are threatened, we put them dukes up. We fight or we run. We will do whatever it takes to protect ourselves. And this is why we struggle to love. This is why we struggle to give ourselves to love. Because love is focused on another person. Love is sacrificial. And we can't sacrifice ourselves when we are focused on protecting ourselves. Our passage this morning in 1 John 3 is going to help us with this struggle as we see how the self-sacrificing love of Jesus enables us to love one another. And so let's turn there to 1 John 3. I think it's in your bulletin too. We're going to read the passage this morning together. 1 John 3, verses 11 to 24. I'll start in verse 11. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our hearts before him. For whenever our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our heart, and he knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God, and whatever we ask, we receive from him, because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. And this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as he has commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. Let me pray uh, for God to help us as we study his word. Father, we pause and acknowledge you and thank you for being present here with us by your word and by your spirit. I know that my words are nothing without your word without your spirit. So I pray that you would pour out your spirit on us as we seek to understand, as we seek to be a people of love and try and grow from a place of fear, from a place of selfishness, try and grow to this self-sacrificing love that Jesus has showed us on the cross. We love you and we trust you and we trust you now with this time in the name of Jesus. Amen. So as we look at this passage, um, God's word is going to help us see how the self-sacrificing love of Jesus enables us to love. 
It gives us the ability to love. And we're going to see it in three, three things. The model of love, the rescue of love, and the security of love. Let's look at the model of love first. As John begins in this passage, he reminds these Christians of the message they heard at the beginning. He's referring to when they first believe. He says, don't you remember the gospel message that I preached to you? Don't you remember the gospel that you believed? This gospel, the natural overflow of this message is love. That's why you love one another, because it's a natural overflow of our message. The gospel intends to turn our hearts towards one another. Because of sin, our hearts push us away from one another, and the gospel reorients us together. So John, he, he puts this picture up, and then what he does is he gives a bad model in the story of Cain, and he gives a good model in the story of Jesus. And let's look at, we're going to look at the Cain story first, and then we'll look at the Jesus story. Cain, the story of Cain is an early story. It's one of the first stories where we see how sin corrupts human relationships. Cain and Abel, they were brothers. Um, Cain was a farmer, and Abel was a shepherd. And the story of Cain and Abel begins as these two brothers bring an offering to the Lord. Um, Cain brings uh, some some crops and some fruit, uh, kind of like the cucumbers we got at the Connect Center. He brings these things as an offering to the Lord. And Abel brings some of his livestock. And what happens is God looks through the physical offering and he looks to the heart. And he sees that Cain's heart is corrupted. That's something we don't know because the passage doesn't tell us, but something's wrong with Cain's heart. And Abel comes to to the Lord with a pure heart. And the Bible says that God looked on Abel with favor, but with Cain, he looked on him with disdain. He had no regard for uh, Cain's offering. And Cain sees this. He sees that Abel received God's favor, and he didn't. And he gets jealous, and he kills his brother. He murders him. Now, this is a bold move for John. Um, anyone who had a, a history in Jewish thought would have been like, really? You went to Cain? Cain represented all that was evil in Jewish thought. If you went to the, the playground where all the Jewish boys are, are trash-talking one another, you didn't drop the Cain bomb. If you dropped the Cain bomb, it would be like, whoa, low blow. Like, you didn't go there. But John drops the cane bomb in this passage. He goes, boom. And he does it because he's making an important point about the one who refuses to love. This passage is saying that the one who refuses to love is like a murderer because they treat another person as though they don't exist. The phrase goes, you're dead to me. That's what he's saying. And notice in the Cain story, the fight for self. John says in verse 12, he says, and why did he murder? 
because his own deeds were evil and his brothers righteous. Abel's righteous actions, they exposed Cain's failures. They exposed, uh, they ruined Cain's reputation. It ruined Cain's uh, self-image. He was faced with his failure. And instead of turning to God, instead of loving his brother, he gave in to jealousy and he kills and murders his brother. At the root of Abel's murder is Cain's jealousy. And the heart of Cain's jealousy is self. That's the heart of jealousy. I don't have what they have, and I want it. And the key word is I. There's a focus on self. But there's a better model in the story of Jesus. John gives us a good model in Jesus. In verse 16, he says this, By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. Jesus is radically different than Cain because he sacrifices himself to love. Jesus gives himself, he gives all of himself to love. He has no regard for himself. Jesus came to his own people and they treated him like trash. Jesus went to help the poor. He gave himself to helping the poor, to helping the prostitutes, and they ridiculed him for it. Jesus was completely innocent and he was treated like a criminal and died a shameful death. And the whole time, he didn't care one bit about his reputation. He didn't care one bit about what people thought of him. All he cared about was love, was sacrificing himself to love. Real love is always focused on another person with no regard for self. So some of you uh, might not know, I assume most of you don't know, uh, we're going to have another baby. Me and my wife are having another baby. Uh, It's going to be another girl. And uh, please pray for me. Uh, It's going to be three on one. I have already a two-year-old daughter. Uh, And so I have the Little Mermaid soundtrack memorized. Uh, Yesterday, I learned how to tie a ponytail, and my wife laughed at me. She's like, you don't know how to tie a ponytail? Come on. I had brothers. Come on. But uh, Mary, uh, the due date is on the exact same date as her sister's wedding, November 25th. And I'm officiating the wedding. That's the plan, at least. And we've had had to process and think through, what are we going to do? And there's a lot to say there, but in all of the conversations, <laughs> in all of the conversations, Mary has consistently encouraged me to go. She says, go, be with my sister, help them get married. And I've been so encouraged and astonished because she is sacrificing one of her best supporters. Like, I'm not bragging on myself, but I'm her husband. Like, I thought I did pretty good the first go-around. She's, she's willingly sacrificing her greatest supporter so that she can love her sister. That's what we're talking about here. Now, some of you might be thinking, Psh, like, 
you have no idea who I am. I fit more in the Cain story than I do in the Jesus story. You have no idea the terrible things I've done. You don't know what kind of person I am. And the point is this. The self-sacrificing love of Jesus on the cross, it does more for us than give us a good model. It rescues us from guilt. It rescues us from shame and from condemnation. And that's the second point. The rescue of love is going to enable us to give ourselves to sacrifice. One commentator said, the death of Jesus is more than martyrdom. It's atonement. The death of Jesus paid the penalty for our sin, the weight of past, present, and future sin. The cross of Jesus pays for it all. He provides righteousness for the guilty, And he provides forgiveness for people who feel and act like Cain. So you feel guilty because you are a terrible person? You feel guilty because you consistently fail at love? Jesus has paid for that. And he has made a way to love. One of the other things the cross does for us is it gives us a new life. That's the way the Bible talks about the fruit of the cross. When we receive the benefits of the cross by faith, uh, there is a new birth that takes place. It's kind of like one of those cool sci-fi spiritual truths. Jesus says that we are reborn by the Spirit of God. Paul's language is, those who were dead are made alive. And there's something unique about this life. This life is eternal life, and that makes it special. And that's what gives us the hope to sacrifice. And this is exactly what John is referring to in verse 14. If you look at verse 14, John says, We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. What he means here is, what he's saying is, we know that the only reason we can love, the real kind of love, the only reason we can do that is because God has made us alive. God has reborn us by the Spirit. And the life that he plants in you as a Christian is eternal life. And this is what enables us to sacrifice We have the hope of eternal life. And that hope tells us that this life isn't all there is. And you see how that loosens our grip on this life. It loosens our grip on our money, on our time, on our comfort, on our convenience. But because we are living for another kingdom, we are living for another hope than the hope of this life. And he will protect this life that he has planted in you so you don't have to. A great example of this is uh, the missionary, the the cross-cultural missionary. And we met 
a few of them, uh, Nate and Jessica, in the beginning of the service. A missionary that goes to a foreign land is sacrificing so much. They sacrifice uh, the comforts of living in America. They sacrifice family relationships. It usually like, makes families really uneasy. You're going to take your family where? Why would you do that? And I, I haven't talked to Nate and Jessica, or, um, but I, I am willing to bet that one of the driving motivations for a missionary that sacrifices all these things and goes and subjects themselves to pain, stress, turmoil is because they, they are living out the hope of eternal life. They have fully given themselves to this hope and have laid everything away for the sake of living for another life. And that life is the heavenly life. Now, you might be thinking, I'm doing pretty good on this love thing. I'm nailing this love thing. I don't, thanks, preacher boy, but I don't need, I don't need Jesus. And to be honest with you, I don't, I don't really even care. Here's what I would say. Deep down, everyone wants to be this kind of person. Deep down, everyone wants to be known as a loving person. We want to be known by our friends as family as the person that's going to sacrifice. Hey, um, Susie, she's, she would give you the shirt on her back. And we might think that we're doing a really good job at love, but one of the questions is what what would the people closest to you say? Would they think of you as a loving person? There's a new show uh, called This Is Us. I don't know if, if you've seen it. A phenomenal show. Uh, I was really skeptical at first because my mom recommended it. And I don't, I don't typically like the kind of shows she likes. But I was, I was surprised. Phenomenal show. And the whole show is about a dysfunctional family. And the hero of the whole show is the dad. The dad is, uh, he's loving, he's tender, he's always giving up his needs, his preferences for the sake of his wife or for the sake of his kids. And you watch the show and you're like, that's, that's the person I want to be. That's how I want to live my life. And 1 John 3 is telling us the way to love is through Jesus. Jesus is the way we become loving. Now, there's a phrase at the end of verse 14. Uh, it says, whoever does not love abides in death. And there's a temptation for us to think, like, is he saying that I could lose the life I have? Is he saying I could lose my salvation? And that's it's not what he's saying. The argument John is making is he's saying this. If you ref, when you refuse to love, you're not in line with the gospel. When you refuse to love, you're not in line with the hope of eternal life. The hope of eternal life calls us to love. It calls us upward to sacrifice. But eternal life does not depend on it for security. Our eternal life in Jesus does not depend on our love 
for security. And this is exactly where John goes at the end of this passage in verses 19 to 22. And this is the security of love. John points out two ways to know the security of love. Grace and obedience. And so let's look at grace and then we'll look at obedience. Grace, we find grace in verse 20. John says, For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and he knows everything. This phrase, whenever our heart condemns us, what John is referring to is the feeling of condemnation when we fail to love or when we refuse to love. John's saying, you're going to feel condemnation. You're going to feel guilty. You're going to feel like a terrible person. But God is greater than your heart. That's what he's saying. He's saying God is greater than your condemnation. And this is good news. This is our message. This is what the Bible is all about. That God is greater than your condemnation. And some of us, we walk in every, every Sunday with the weight of condemnation. Maybe it's from something that happened in your past Maybe you are failing miserably in your life right now and you walk in with this weight of condemnation. Or maybe you're like me and there's just, you're not super weighed down, but there's just this low-grade disappointment. There's this low-grade guilt. Ah, I should have done that. I should have loved that person that way. Ah, And the word to us this morning is that God is greater. God is greater than your condemnation. Earlier in this book, in the first chapter, um, John points us to this truth and he says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. John knows you're going to fail. We all sit here and we know we're going to fail at this. But God is greater. And he has provided a way to healing. He has provided a way to grace. And this is what happens. This is how grace enables us to love. Is grace restores us. It heals us so that we can love. So that's the first way we know the security of love. The second way we know the security of love is obedience. And we see this in verses 21 to 22. John says, Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God, and whatever we ask, we receive from him. John is saying, If If your heart doesn't condemn you, if you succeed and obey, God's going to provide you the resources you need. God loves to resource people who are walking in obedience. He loves to answer prayers to people who are devoted to sacrifice, who are devoted to love. 
in every sphere of life. Whether we succeed or fail in loving, this is the point, whether we succeed or fail in loving, we are secure in God's love. Now, uh, if you could just humor me a little bit for this illustration. It's kind of like John is saying that a Christian is like the Wolverine. I don't know if you've seen the X-Men movies, but the Wolverine is one of the heroes in the X-Men movies. Uh, And I actually, someone came up in the first service and corrected me on some of my details about the Wolverine. So I'll make sure I get those. Two things you need to know about the Wolverine. The first thing is there was these scientists that experimented on him. And uh, this is what I screwed up in the first service. Uh, Basically, they took this mystical uh, substance called antimanium. I'm probably butchering the name. He told me, but it's, it's this really powerful metal that's even more powerful than steel. And they, they grafted his entire bone structure with this steel. And the Wolverine was super strong already, but this made him even stronger. The second thing you need to know about the Wolverine is that he can heal himself. Whenever he gets in a fight and he gets cut up or injured, he, he literally just heals himself. He regenerates himself. This is exactly what John is saying. The Christian is made strong by God's provision in prayer, strong to love, and the Christian is made strong to love by this healing forgiveness. Now, I might have lost a few of you with the X-Men reference, Um, so let me clean that up. Uh, The point is to say that a Christ follower is really unstoppable on this journey to love people. When you fail, you find forgiveness and strength to love. When you succeed, you find provision and encouragement to keep going. You're unstoppable. And this is the kind of church that God wants to raise up in Iowa City. This is the kind of church God wants to build here. It's a church of love. This is what our world craves. is people who are devoted to others in a sacrificial way. And the gospel enables us to do this. So let me wrap it up. Because of sin, um, because of uh, our brokenness, we're naturally bent inward. We naturally protect ourselves. But God is greater. And the self-sacrificing love of Jesus enables us to love one another. It enables us by showing us a better model of love. It shows us the person we all want to be. It enables us by giving us the hope of eternal life. And that hope gives us a reason to sacrifice our lives for the sake of others. And it enables us to love because we find grace. God is greater than your condemnation. God provides healing 
He provides a way to healing through repentance and faith. And he enables us and makes us strong by providing what we need. And so let's be a people. Um, I want to be a person that gives themselves to love. Because this is what Jesus is doing in the world. He is leading people to love. And so that's my prayer, uh, that we would grow in love. Let me pray for us, and then we'll sing as we close. Father, you are uh, so incredibly good to us, uh, better, better than we deserve. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the power to deny self and to give ourselves to sacrificial love. I pray, um, I pray that you would grow in us this desire to be a loving people. I pray that you would help us as we put self-protection aside. We sacrifice our time and our money and our comfort and convenience for the sake of building up your kingdom. And I pray that the motivation of that would be the gospel, the self-sacrificing love of Jesus. We thank you that you meet us in our failures and you meet us in our successes. You are faithful and you are good. And we love you and trust you and pray in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this teaching from Parkview Church. We pray that you are blessed by God's Word. For additional teaching, resources, podcasts, as well as information on who we are and our upcoming events, please visit our website at www.parkviewchurch.org.